All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to chat about the Denver Nuggets. Let me just tweet out that I am going live now. Uh, as the Denver Nuggets, they had practiced today. They had some good times. Uh, they got in a good work, and Michael Malone was very happy uh, to chat about the work that they got in and some of the rest that they've gotten. And we will chat about some of that. We'll chat about some deadline stuff as well. I wanted to make sure to be able to have a good conversation there. Um, good stuff here. And I'm looking forward to chatting with everybody, of course. Yeah, just sent out that tweet here real quick. All right. Practice today was interesting. Not too much going on. Not too much. Uh, everybody's trying to get on the road. Everybody's trying to do the thing that you have to do when you go out on the road is you you want to get out of that gym as quickly as possible. You got to get your stuff ready at your crib. You got to get your stuff back and you then you got to go to the plane. And that's just how the process works when you go on a road trip. Uh, we spoke to Michael Malone today. We spoke to Reggie Jackson today. Reggie was very verbose in terms of just how he normally is. And he is a a good interview for that reason. He's never not going to give you enough information, which is great. Um, we have problems getting information from everybody else, but never have any problems getting info and getting any uh, analysis from Reggie Jackson. Uh, Michael Malone also spoke today. I'm not going to go into too much depth on what they said. Uh, there were some things that they talked about and uh, we'll start with Reggie first. He had the punch pass comment. Uh, he was asked today, man, so what were you thinking when Nikola Jokic made the pass in the first quarter of the game yesterday? And he was like, oh man, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I turned to DeAndre Jordan sitting next to me and said, Peyton has to make that. And then he called it like voodoo. He called it like, uh, <laughs> there was some Japanese uh, like, uh, stuff there there was like hey I, did he move this with his mind like a jedi he was trying to figure out just exactly how he did it uh but that was pretty interesting to hear from him he, i asked him how he's doing he's been asked a lot how he's doing physically he's probable on the injury report tomorrow and that should be made clear that look he, he might be looking like he's dealing with some stuff but sometimes guys look like they're dealing with some things uh but he said he was all right he said he's dealing with a, a very good training staff and coaching staff and players that like they will let him. Uh, that's what it was a 42 ultra. Thank you for, uh, for the comment. Here's the Mr. Miyagi uh, type shit. I think that's what he said. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I didn't have that in my notes down, but uh, yeah, he's probable he's dealing with a, a variety of things. He had the skin lesion. He had the um, calf soreness, tightness, whatever you want to call it. He's been, knocked on his butt a couple times and it is very clear that like he's he's a little bit warmed down physically so it honestly wouldn't surprise me if Denver like Jalen Pickett is in the G League right now he's killing it Colin Gillespie's been in the G League he's not on assignment anymore Colin Gillespie's now up at um he is now up at the Nuggets level Jalen Pickett is still down there but it wouldn't surprise me if they call back one of those guys and then try to get Reggie some time off at some point if he is available. Uh, I just think that 
Denver needs to have that forward thinking mentality if they can prep, prep preparing for the playoffs. I kept trying to combine prepping and preparing right there just for a little bit, but uh uh no, I think they'll be okay. I think I think Reggie will be fine. This is not a situation that they're going to have to really stress about. Michael Malone was talking about uh, just staying healthy. I also asked him about how the team was doing and very few players on the injury report. It's just really uh, Vlako Chanchar, who he did mention, and he talked about how he is progressing faster than I think everybody thought that he would and that he's running right now. He's He was going through a shooting workout while we were watching practice and while we were at practice. And Vlako Chanchar is progressing pretty well. Now, I don't want anybody to like get things twisted. Vlako's not going to play this year. I, I would be extremely surprised if Vlako actually played. And the reason being is when he sustained that injury in late July, I want to say he, like, you, you just do the math on this, nine months out from that is April. And that's really the earliest you could realistically somebody get somebody back. And that's already playoff basketball at that point. So bringing him back and, and bringing him back from a health perspective is not really a logical option. Now, Denver did apply for the... Injury exception, according to my friend Vinny Benedetto over at the Denver Gazette. Make sure to go give him a follow. Vinny Benedetto. Uh, he's been on the podcast before, and I, I definitely want to get him back on soon. Uh, but he reported multiple sources saying that Denver is going to, like they've applied for the designated injury exception for Vlatko. There aren't any plans for them to use it or anything like that. But it is interesting to see them at least apply for it, give themselves the, the option, the flexibility. The rule on the injury exception is that you it's only amounts for 50% of what Denver could actually like give Vlatko, like what his salary was. And Vlatko makes about 2.2 million, I think. The injury exception would then be worth 1.1 million. And that is like perforate or uh prorated, excuse me, across the season. So it's even less than that, really. Um, but I do think that it's good that Denver at least applied for that option. You never know what's going to happen around the trade deadline. And it's going to be interesting to see what Denver actually does. Uh, but I'll get into that in the second segment a little bit. Uh, Michael Malone was asked about the Golden State Warriors matchup. He said that Denver... They're preparing for, it's a different kind of preparation for Golden State than it is for other teams because of all the split cuts that they run, all the switching that you have to do, Steph Curry rules, if you will. Denver and like other teams have also sort of adopted this, but Denver's done a really good job, maybe a better job than other teams in terms of kind of throwing out their game plan and just going with the Steph Curry rules, which basically says, if you are on Steph Curry, if you are guarding Steph Curry, then you are not allowed to look at the rim. You're not allowed to look at other actions. You are just going to track Steph. You are going to keep your head on a swivel a little bit in terms of understanding what's going on around you. Like you're not going to be surprised if somebody gives a back screen or anything like that. The team is all about communication of principles and understanding what you're going to do in certain actions. But Denver, they talked a lot about preparing for Steph, preparing for the actions that Golden State likes to run, 
They'll run those similar actions for Clay Thompson as well, who has been playing better of late. Andrew Wiggins gave Denver buckets last time. Denver, uh, Golden State was here. So there are reasons to have concern that Denver will win tomorrow. Uh, it's a national TV game. It's on the road. Denver hasn't done well on the road. And they have a back-to-back that they have to think about on Friday. So wouldn't surprise me if you get into a situation where Denver's down like 20 and then they just kind of throw in the towel and try to make sure that they can win the home game on Friday against Orlando. But I do think that it's going to be interesting to see how Denver approaches it. Obviously, they've got the advantage inside with Jokic. And now he did start the last game against Golden State one of eight, and he finished four of 12 from the field. I do think that he's recovered a little bit. But even in the first matchup against Golden State, uh, way back when, like game eight of the season or something like that, he absolutely struggled a little bit with his touch as well then. So I think that there are reasons to wonder whether they're going to get like the best, most efficient scoring Jokic version possible, especially after like, look, he just went like 26 of 28 or whatever. And like, there is some regression coming there. He's not going to go 26 of 28 every single game. So I think that there will be something coming back down the pipeline, but whether that regression actually means nine of 15 or if it means nine of 20, then we'll just have to wait and see. But Murray should have his way in that particular matchup. There's nobody on Golden State that can really shut him down. They just had the news that Gary Payton II is going to be out for several weeks uh, with the injury that he sustained that was reported earlier today. So they are down, and obviously they don't have Draymond. So there is going to be a very interesting mix that kind of comes with it. Now, their younger players will be better at home. And Denver will probably be challenged a little bit there, but we will see what happens. Uh, Cedric asks, how is Aaron Gordon's health? Aaron Gordon is not on the injury report. Uh, Talked to him at practice today. He's pretty happy. He seems like he's got good vibes and he's just grinning ear to ear. I think he's happy to be there uh, shooting pretty well. He shot well last game. So I think he's doing fine. I think it, it if you told me that he didn't sustain a traumatic event, then I'd be like, sure. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But he is dealing with his uh, situation pretty well. And he, I think he's collected pretty well. He doing everything that he can to get himself back onto the court. And I think he's just at his happiest when he's on the basketball court. That's just the, the player that he's been described to us as. It's just a guy who loves to be out there, loves to be there for his team. And clearly... Denver was getting after today. They got some good vibes. I think that there are some reasons to believe that he's in a good spot. So I think Aaron's doing pretty good. I think he's he's in a good place. Um, Joshua, I'm going to answer those questions. He, answered, he asked uh, who is eligible to be traded, and then can they even trade Reggie or Zeke? Uh, I'll answer both of those questions in the coming uh, in the in the next segment, I, I will answer them soon. Um, I think Denver gets this win against Golden State. It's going to be tough. I do think that Denver and Nuggets fans should gear themselves up for a battle. Like Steph just had, what, 36 and did really well in his last matchup. And all you need at that point is you need some good performances from guys, not great performances from guys. So And they can get that at home. 
So I'm I'm curious to see how it goes, and we will see what ultimately becomes of it. But I know everybody's here for the trade deadline talk, so when we come back, I am going to do a little bit of a trade deadline look ahead and talk about the buyout market and the trade deadline and things like that, and we will uh, sort of go through that entire discussion. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. You can win a trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game, and you will get two tickets to that game plus a three-night hotel stay. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, which is coming up very, very shortly, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Can it be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the show? I see a lot of people tuning in. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to like and subscribe to the channel. And if you end up listening on the audio side, make sure to follow, rate, and subscribe on that side as well. All right. So this conversation was kind of prompted. I had a tweet this morning. Uh, that was about some odds that I received from a betting company that sent me an email this morning. And I was scrolling through the odds on these different players that were being traded and some of the odds that, okay, like what is uh, Russell Westbrook's next next team going to be? Like that was, that was a weird one. But what is Pascal Siakam's next team going to be? Things like that. And so I was curious and I stumbled across Bogdan Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Jordan Clarkson and saw Denver in the top three in the odds for those teams or for those guys, I was shocked. I I was flummoxed by that. That didn't make much sense to me. And for obvious reasons, if you follow me, I've tried to sort of dissuade everybody from thinking about it in those terms where you've got guys with larger contracts, especially this year. Denver's not going to be able to do that. They're, that's just not going to be something that they find viable. They have too many young guys on cheap contracts and too many uh too much money that is tied up to the starting lineup for them to really consider adding another big contract right now. And so guys like the Bogdanoviches and and Jordan Clarkson as helpful as they might be are just not going to be players that Denver can really go after. And so I've decided okay, let me at least talk about this on the podcast, let me at least talk about this on the show and say, all right, what can Denver actually do? We're just over a month out from the trade deadline. I think it's like February 10th or 8th or somewhere around there. So just over a month. And the league is starting to shape up a little bit into buyers and sellers. There is this, there's there's a couple of intermediate groups there where you know you've got your contenders like Denver and Minnesota and OKC in the West. And then in the East, you've got Boston and Milwaukee and Philly and teams like that. Then there's these couple of intermediate. Or you get you got your sellers as well. You've got the the four teams that are at the bottom of each conference that are horrible. You've got 
San Antonio and Portland in the West. You've got Charlotte, Washington, and Detroit in the East. So those five teams are your clear-cut sellers. The other teams that are kind of on the outside of that play-in race that are sort of coming to grips with reality a little bit, here are the next five names, the next five teams that are just outside of the play-in race and may not even get back into it. You've got Utah, Toronto, who already traded OG Ananobi, Memphis, Atlanta, and Golden State. Interesting. Okay, so you've got some teams that had higher expectations this year. Memphis, I think, knew that they would start pretty slow, and they're starting to get back on track with John Morant, but it might just be too late for them. So we will we'll, we'll just put them to the side. Utah knew that they were going to be bad. They knew that they were going to be in that 12 seed ish. Like they're they were not going to be better than this. And so you see names like Kelly Olinick, Talon Horton Tucker, Jordan Clarkson, those kinds of names thrown out a little bit. Even Larry Markinen had his name thrown out a little bit in terms of as a player that could be traded. Toronto already made their deal and they might make another one with Pascal Siakam. We'll see what they ultimately do. Memphis, uh, like I said, we'll put them to the side. Atlanta and Golden State are the interesting ones. Golden State, they probably can't sell, can they? Not realistically, not with Steph Curry on their team. Like, you're still going to try to buy. You're still going to try to get into the playoff race. Kind of like what the Lakers did last year, where the Lakers were outside of the play-in. And then they fought themselves not just into the play-in, but up to seventh and nearly exceeded it uh, with the way that they played in the second half of the year after the trade deadline. So Golden State, probably going to be aggressive. They're probably going to try to figure out how they can salvage their season a little bit. Maybe they trade Draymond. Maybe they try to turn him into somebody positive. Or maybe they turn some of their young guys into players that can help them now. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a Pascal Siakam destination. Who knows? But I do think that the most interesting team right now is Atlanta. Atlanta's a very fascinating team because they clearly have not made it work. Like they they had a lot of like hopes and dreams and desires for them to be the best version of themselves. And that just has not happened. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray doesn't work. Like I, I just, I think we can all express that they were not that good and they're also a team like with Jalen Johnson, who's a young guy there who like they're going to try to get him as many options to play as possible. Guys like DeAndre Hunter and Sadiq Bey and AJ Griffin and I don't know, maybe even Clint Capella, but certainly DeJounte Murray. Like, I don't think they're going to trade Trey Young, but they might like kick the tires on just about everybody else. So outside of Jalen Johnson. So. That is an interesting team. That's an interesting one that I would think about. And uh, Cedric says it in the comments, Atlanta is like the Portland Trailblazers with CJ and Dame. I think there's some truth to that for sure because they can't defend either, despite the fact that everybody thought that DeJounte Murray would be that guy. He's just not that guy. Like, he's, he's not that guy, pal. Um, but so that's kind of where I start with a lot of my conversations about what Denver can do, where they can go, who they can ask. and. There are some other teams that are in the play-in. Here, here, let me just list them right now. Cleveland, New York, Brooklyn, Chicago, Dallas, Phoenix, Houston, Lakers. 
those are also some teams that could be considered as sellers, depending on who you ask. The Lakers are not going to sell. Uh, New York is not going to sell. Um, Dallas, probably not going to sell. Phoenix, not going to sell. But Houston, Houston might. Cleveland, they're so injured that they might too. Brooklyn, they might. It just depends on the guy. And then Chicago, certainly. Like, they should be sellers. But, I mean, they should have been sellers three years ago. And they still haven't been. So, who knows what they're going to do. Anyway, back to Denver. Denver has needs. Like if, if you've watched the team this year, you know that their starting lineup is great. You know that Reggie Jackson's filled in pretty well. And you know that some of the young guys in Julian Strother, Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, they've all filled in reasonably well for what they've needed to do off the bench. Now, that's not perfect. And there's the distinct need for a backup five. But it's not quite that. Because if you remember last year, obviously, Denver played Aaron Gordon as their backup five man. They just decided, screw it, we're fine, we're going to be okay with this, backup five is going to be AG. The problem that you run into this year is that Jeff Green last year, for all of his faults and for all that he wasn't perfect, he certainly wasn't, for all of Jeff Green's faults, he was able to switch on to centers and be just fine. Denver in those lineups without Jokic and AG at center, they do not have another guy that can really guard fives. Michael Porter, maybe, but like that means that you're staggering both of your starting forwards, which is not a great idea either. So I just it just changes up your playoff rotation so much. Peyton Watson will do his best, but my guy Swipa, who's been uh, in the fan camp for Peyton Watson for as long as I can remember, he is talking about him as maybe a starting two, not somebody who can switch onto fives consistently. So I think that in order to use his skill set at his best, you might need to add some other backup forward, some other guy that maybe you're not playing him all the time at the five. Maybe they're really a four, but like you got to at least consider the idea that they could play the five as well or switch onto a five and be big enough that they don't get bullied in that position. And then the other thing that they could certainly use a backcourt scoring upgrade in the bench because Denver's offense, when Jokic goes to the floor, uh, it is not good. I pulled these numbers earlier today. I just want to go back to them. Here are Denver's on-off net ratings with Nikola Jokic. On the court, plus 13.3 net rating, 124.9 offensive rating, 111.6 defensive rating. That is the 97th, 96th, and 81st percentiles in the entire NBA. So, Elite offense, good defense. Pretty good. Off the court, minus 13.7 net rating. That's in the sixth percentile. 102.9 offensive rating, the second percentile. And 116.6 defensive rating, which is worse, uh, but still 43rd percentile. You're still okay. It's not great, but it's still okay. Denver, they need some offensive help. And so if you could get some sort of backcourt option that could really help out, maybe an upgrade over Reggie Jackson, that'd be great. That'd be ideal. It's why Denver, like when you list guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, that's why you can't really turn your nose up at it because if Denver had the salary to be able to get done, they probably would explore those situations. They would explore options like that. They just don't have that flexibility. So you got to think smaller. You got to think a little bit differently in that situation. So I'm not going to talk about those guys 
right now. I'm not going to talk about guards. I'm going to mostly talk about bigs here because I think that that's where we need to go. And the, the other thing before I share names, Zeke Naji's poison pill is something that a lot of people have asked me about. So I am going to explain it here, here at the 24 minute mark of this podcast. Zeke Naji signed an extension for four years, $32 million. He has a player option on the end of that. That's a good deal for him. Got some good flexibility, $8 million per year. Good on his contract, or good on his agent, good on everybody. There is a poison pill that occurs when you sign a deal like that. And what that does is for one year after signing the deal, uh, and actually it expires at the start of the new league year for this, uh, the outgoing salary for Zeke Naji's contract is going to be way smaller than the incoming salary for another team. So what I mean by that, Denver's basically, like he, he Zeke Naji's being paid $4.3 million this year. That is what Denver would be sending out in a deal. And so Denver can only receive back $4.3 million. The incoming team has to think about it differently. They receive $7.2 million is the salary figure while the poison pill is in effect. And so the average that and so basically how they calculate that. That is the average of his four-year $32 million salary plus the extra year this year and $4.3 million. So it's basically 36.3 divided by five. And that's how you get to 7.2. Um, so that is what happens. And so what that means is that a team that trades for Zeke Naji can't just send back $4.3 million for Denver because then it won't be a legal trade. And the reason why they can't do that is because all of the teams are over the cap. Every single team is over the cap, except for one, except for one team. There is one team in the entire NBA that is not over the salary cap that does have the amount of flexibility to trade for Zeke Naji. It's the Indiana Pacers, which I don't know if that makes a difference. I don't know if the Pacers would be interested in doing anything like that. They might want that flexibility. They might want the flexibility to kind of play around with that cap space a little bit. It's it's like good on them for having that flexibility and taking that into the trade deadline here because that would be interesting for them to be able to use. But for Denver, the idea that they could make a deal with the Indiana Pacers, send out Zeke Naji, and take back somebody who could be a helpful option for them is interesting. And then it got me thinking, and there is an actual logical deal here that could take place. What about Zeke Naji and Julian Strother for Andrew Nemhard and Jalen Smith? Naji and Strother go to the Pacers. Strother is the key get for Indiana in that situation. And it might be like, oh man, everybody's just, just frustrated that Denver would give up on, on Julian Strother, their shooting wing. Strother is the heir apparent to Buddy Heald for the Pacers in that situation. Buddy Heald's on, ex on an expiring contract. He already requested a trade. This is a situation where Indiana, rather than having to retain a guy like Buddy Heald, they can go use their cap space on somebody else in the front court that's going to help them. And they can add in Julian Strother, somebody that they could play and be the, the shooting spacing guy. 
that a team like Indiana is going to want around Tyrese Halliburton. Then they get Zeke Naji as well in that situation. And Denver gets back Andrew Nemhard, who is probably the best approximation of Bruce Brown that Denver could want as a backup point guard option. He's a guy that plays great defense. He can move the ball. He's a bulldog. He's going to be smart. He can shoot a little bit. I'm not sure that Indiana is going to want to trade him a ton, but they also have TJ McConnell, who they really trust, who they really like. And maybe with Bruce Brown already there, maybe they're like, you know what, Andrew Nemhard, we are willing to t- like give you up so that we could get a three-point spacing threat on the wing that pairs next to Jul- uh, to Tyrese Halliburton a little bit better. And then Denver gets back Jalen Smith, who's more of a traditional five than somebody like Zeke Naji is. And it means uh, just a little bit better of a fit, a cleaner fit for both of those teams, I think. So that is one trade idea. It's one, and it is probably not going to happen. It's probably like completely infallible, like completely dumb. I bet that Calvin Booth has already considered something like that. And he's like, ah, nah, we'd rather have the guys that we have. And even if he did call a team like Indiana, they're probably like, nah, we like the guys that we have. Just keep it in the back of your head. The only team that realistically could trade for Zeke Nagy this year is Indiana. And if Indiana isn't going to be the team that does it, then Zeke Nagy will be a nugget, I believe, for the foreseeable future. Going to some other names, and I'll drop these out here, and then we'll we'll hit the road. I've seen Kelly Olynyk. I've seen him pop up on the the trade discussions in the chat here. He'd be great. He'd be an understandable option for Denver. He makes too much money. It's just not going to work logistically. It's it's the same conversation as with the Bogdanoviches and Jordan Clark's Jordan Clarkson. Excuse me. It's just not going to happen. Denver can't really make that work. Andre Drummond, though, they could make work. Andre Drummond makes like three and a half, four million, somewhere around there. They could make that trade happen. And if they really wanted to, they could offer up something that Chicago would be pretty stupid to refuse. Now, does Denver want to do that? Do they want to trade some of their wing resources, some of the the young guys that they have? Let's say it's Strother. Like, would you trade Julian Strother and, I don't know, Vlako Chanchar for and for Andre Drummond? Like, would you do that? That's tough. That's a really stressful thing because if you're Denver, the prospect of having Julian Strother in your system for the next five, six, seven years is kind of nice. But if this trade makes you a better team and gives you a better chance to win a championship this year, There's also something to be said for that too. So I think that that's the conversation that everybody has to have about these bigs, about these backup bigs, is are you willing to give up some of the young guys? Are you willing to give up Jalen Pickett? Maybe you're willing to give up Hunter Tyson. Maybe you're willing to give up Julian Strother. Every team's going to ask for Julian Strother because they're going to be like, cool, a three-point spacing wing that has some size, that has shown something on the defensive end, like he's not a liability there. They're going to want him. Every team's going to ask for him. So that's just the conversation that you're going to have to have. 
And I think it's a fair one. I think it's a is a fair line to draw in the sand for everybody. But if Chicago asks for Julian Strother in an Andre Drummond trade, I think Denver probably says no, which is why something like this probably doesn't happen. So take that with a grain of salt. Nick Richards, a name that I've been throwing out there for Charlotte. He would be a great fit in Denver, I think. He is a good above-the-rim option for Denver in the pick-and-roll, and he rebounds like crazy. He also protects the rim. So I would love to have Nick Richards on this team. Just the way that he played against Denver and the way that he continues to uh, carve out a role for himself by working hard and doing the things that nobody else wants to do as a big man is very, very important. So I'd I'd love him. Uh, Dayron Sharp, same thing. He'd be a great option, although... I think Brooklyn is slowly kind of finding that he's a better fit for their team than Nick Claxton is, which is kind of interesting. So Denver can't really trade for Nick Claxton like he makes too much money. And then Dayron Sharp, if they don't want to give up Dayron Sharp, Denver's probably not going to be able to afford it. So it's a name that I'll throw out there that Denver should be trying to get. They probably won't get him. Xavier Tillman, same thing. Like Xavier Tillman is a 2020 draft pick. He didn't get a contract extension. I wonder if he's a little bit available in Memphis because they've been starting Bismack Biombo over him, uh, somebody who wasn't on a roster at the beginning of the season. Biombo's been great. He's helped them kind of turn things around. And But Tillman didn't play in the last game. Tillman was, a, I think, a healthy scratch. So he'd be somebody I'd be interested in getting. Uh, that would be a player that I think Denver could realistically play next to Jokic at times like just in a in a bigger lineup. I don't know if that would happen all the time, but it's at least something interesting to think about. Um, Mike Muscala is a name that people are going to be like, why did you throw out Mike Muscala, dude? That seems dumb. Uh, he's not really playing a ton for Washington right now. They've decided they want to go with Danilo Gallinari as their floor spacing five. Muscala hasn't played great, but he was a good option for OKC in each of the previous four years that he was with OKC. Then Boston decided to trade for him. Then they didn't play him at all. So I don't know if there's something that Boston found that they're like, yeah, you know, we don't really like this option. But then he went to Washington in that trade for Kristaps Porzingis. And that was basically it. So we will see what happens. Uh, Mike Muscala is an interesting guy. He would be an interesting kind of pick and pop five for Denver. Kind of in the mentality of a Kelly Olynyk, but certainly not as proven, not as good and has more defensive holes in his game. I just talked to Houston Rockets correspondent Jackson Gatlin on the alley-oop. He was talking about Jock Landau and how he had fallen out of the rotation despite signing that four-year $32 million contract himself. Identical contract, by the way, to what Zeke Nagy signed. I don't think that Denver can afford Jock Landau, but if there was a way to flip Landau and Zeke Nagy, then maybe, uh, maybe it happens. I, I don't know, but... I know Nuggets fans craved Landale uh, during the offseason last year. It didn't end up happening, but he would be an interesting option. And if Denver could get him, he would fit. He would fit pretty pretty well. And one other name from Memphis, Santi Aldama. I don't think that he is going to be available, but he's kind of a, a pick-and-pop big, somebody who's a little bit more versatile. Somebody that I like, somebody that would be interesting. Not sure if he would fit into a playoff rotation or not, but I like the way that he plays and he is good enough offensively to kind of connect some things for the team, especially if they just ran pick and roll with him or posted him up a little bit. There are some things that he can do, so would be interested with that. 
And then five more names I'll throw out that are kind of uh, forwards and guards. Sadiq Bey, Tori Craig, Yuta Watanabe, Javon Carter, and Chris Dunn. Uh, these are names that I think could play for Denver in a pinch in the playoffs. I don't know if they actually would. I don't know if this is the right thing for Denver to be spending their money on. But somebody like Sadiq Bey, he is good enough to start in Atlanta. But they are kind of going in a weird direction right now. And I wonder if Bay is somebody that they are willing to let go of because they do not want to pay him. I don't think anybody really wants to give Sadiq Bay his next contract. So he's going to go to restricted free agency next year and probably be one of those guys that's an odd man out, despite the fact that he's better than the contract that he's about to get. So I wonder if Denver could kind of get in on that and get him for a year, get him as a rental and be like, hey, we're going to we'll give you a couple second round picks here. We'll trade for this guy and see what happens. And he'd be an interesting name for Denver, kind of an offensive counterpart to Peyton Watson in some ways where if Denver's struggling a little bit to score while Peyton Watson is out there, Sadiq Bey makes some sense. Space the floor, can hit some threes, can drive, can do a little bit of extra stuff, and just a professional basketball player. So we will see what happens there. Like I said, with Torrey Craig, there's familiarity with there. I don't think anybody needs me to explain how good Torrey Craig would be in Denver. Yuta Watanabe hasn't really played with Phoenix, kind of in and out of their rotation. Wouldn't surprise me if they decided we need to shift, shift things up a little bit. We need to rock the boat a little bit. Utah's not really playing. Let's see if we could trade him. Let's see if we could get somebody else. So I wonder if there's something there. With those names, though, and with uh, Javon Carter and Chris Dunn, one of the things that I keep having to remind myself is that Justin Holiday is just sitting on Denver's bench right now. Denver's doing everything that they can to get the best possible development that they can for Christian Brown, Julian Strother, Peyton Watson, and they're doing the right thing. They're getting those guys reps and experience while also knowing that Justin Holiday might be the trusted option in the playoffs. Now, he might not be, but when I think about who Denver could trade for, who they could acquire, I don't just think about who would be good. I think about who's actually better and more valuable and gives Denver more utility than Justin Holiday. Because there's not a lot of guys like that. There's just not. So I wonder if that is also part of the calculus with Denver. And it's why Denver may not decide to do anything. They may not decide to trade for anyone. All of Denver's roster spots are kind of spoken for right now. Think about the back end of their rotation. DeAndre Jordan is on the roster. If he's going to stay on the roster, that's not going to change. Even if he's not really going to play, if, even if he's not going to do too much, it's probably not going to happen. Vlako Chanchar, he's injured right now. I don't think Denver's going to be in a situation where they're going to cut him. I don't think they're in a situation where they're going to just... Now, he might be matching salary. It might have to happen. But I do think... Um, I do think... I love that, Alex. Thank you. Alex says, my favorite player is Jamal Murray. I always say that here. LOL. Thank you, Alex. That's uh, always a good pick-me-up for me. Because I uh, my favorite player for Denver is also Jamal Murray. Um. No, I think so. If you speak for the roster spots, <laughs> Cam is now hopping into the into the chat. Thank you very much. Uh, DeAndre Jordan's going to be there. Justin Holiday is going to be there. Uh, then you've got Tyson Strother Pickett as five other guys, and then just or Justin Holiday. So those are 
roster spots that are just kind of taken up that are going to be used. And if you're going to exchange that, if you're going to add one of these guys, then one of the young guys is going to have to be the trade fodder for that. So it's about who are you thinking about moving? Who are you willing to move? And that'll be an interesting, uh, interesting conversation to have. Swipa says, the Denver Nuggets are trading Ryan Blackbird to the Charlotte Hornets for an unprotected first round pick in 2029 and a top 10 protected first rounder in 2030. The team is doing this to clear cap space. Damn. Once that happens, man, once that happens, it's gonna be it's gonna be brutal. It's gonna be brutal out here in these streets. If they if I get traded to clear cap space, then I'll just know I was never loved in the first place. That's uh that's an unfortunate reality here. But you know, we move. Charlotte's getting a good one. You already know that the most important thing is that they're they're just getting somebody who uh, is going to provide ample amounts of energy and respect. And just you're you're not gonna get that respect around here with riffraff like swipa. It's just crazy, crazy out here in these streets. So <laughs> oh man, thank you so much. It's good to see you, my friend. All right, folks. I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Uh, if you have any other names that I didn't mention that you would like me to discuss, leave them in the comments for this video, leave them in the replies here. And I'll try to get to some of them offline. I'll try to get to some of them in tweets. Uh, you can always tweet me and I'll, I'll try to respond to everything that I can. Uh, or just DM me if you don't want it public. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support. What a way to end. What a way to end where I got traded to Charlotte. Man, it's only 90 minutes away from uh, from my old stomping grounds in Columbia, South Carolina. So who knows? Maybe we'll get, a, get some good vibes there. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button on the way out. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.